Welcome to the Pastor's Progress, a podcast reflecting on the call and journey through pastoral ministry. Welcome to the Pastor's Progress. This is Gabe, and today I am joined by Jeremy Ayat. Jeremy, how you doing? Doing great, Gabe. Thank you for uh, letting me be a part today. Yeah, thank you so much for being a part of this. And so Jeremy is an interesting guy in my life because... Although God is ultimately responsible, it, Jeremy is the guy who started the whole conversation and which eventually led to me coming to San Diego to plant a church. So I'm very thankful for that. Thank I also you, know uh, so there's a lot of people who maybe aren't so happy about that. I'm, <laughs> oh, so happy no, with you. I'm gonna no, give them your phone number. We're, but, uh, we're grateful for you, bro, man. It was, it was a lot of fun to have those conversations. I think uh, Breakfast Republic helped a little bit also. It did definitely so. <laughs> help. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I thought that's just what people in San Diego did. They eat at Breakfast Republic every day and <laughs> that did not turn out to be the case, but it was very helpful. And that's, um, that's an interesting part. I'm sure we'll get to about your job though, but asking someone to consider moving their whole family, three or four states, um, into, you know, a hard to reach area to plant a church. Uh, that's a, that's a big, big responsibility and a big ask. So glad there are people like you, God's gifted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh it is a, it is a tremendous journey for somebody to take like you. And sometimes people are close and it's asking them to have a greater sense of intentionality as they're here. And then sometimes like you, it's, it's going to be a, a major cultural shift yeah. from, from Texas to, San Diego is like uh, moving to Europe, basically. It is, yeah. <laughs> Big adjustment. I don't know if you remember the first time we talked about it, though. I was like, kind of laughed, like, ha, yeah, no way that would ever happen. Yeah, you just got to yeah. shoot your shot sometime, That's man. Right. So give, yeah. them, give them a chance. Let the Lord work. And here I am. And you guys, everybody <laughs> at the Sin Network have been great. Jeremy, where? tell us a little bit about where you're from, what family was like uh, growing yeah. up, and uh, just what all that was like in your life. Yeah, man, that's that's uh, interesting. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I was originally from a really, really small town. Like uh, my, my uh, parents, both of them are from a place, Nashville, Arkansas. And I always have to clarify, you know, uh, the lesser known Nashville. And I love Arkansas always be, will be a, a special place to me, but I felt like we had trouble thinking of names of cities. So we just went around the world and found cities that we really liked and just named those in our, in our state. So, but Nashville is an area of about, uh, 4,500 people is where I was born. And I honestly believe it was, uh, God's providence where pretty quick after I was born, my dad got a job in, in Little Rock, uh, which in Arkansas would be considered the metropolitan area, yeah. you know, a few hundred thousand people there, uh, very rural. So that's like the big quote unquote big city there. And uh, that set us on this journey where we moved around a lot. And so Nashville was always a place that was uh, where a lot of my family lived. It was kind of, it felt like home, but I lived in Little Rock. A big chunk of my life was in uh, Pine Bluff, Southeast Arkansas. Most people don't know where anything is about Arkansas out here. So I never even say, <laughs> I say I'm from back East yeah. and, uh, rather than, uh, feeling embarrassed that nobody knows where I'm from, but, uh, Pine Bluff, uh, was a, a place, a lot of people that are from there are surprised, uh, just because it was a, it's a tough, a tough place in some ways. I, abs- I absolutely love living there, had a great experience, but, uh, once again, God shaped me through that, that location. And, uh, my, my parents had me when they were pretty young. So my mom was 19 and my dad was 23 when they got married and had me. And, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of men just figuring out life and they're like, we don't know what to do with this kid, but we probably need to have him in church. So that was sort of where our, uh, 
my church experience began, but moved around, like I said, moved around a lot and lived in Louisiana a little bit as well, way down south, Lafayette. So uh, maybe that explains some of my accent, you know, coming out in different ways, a smorgasbord of, of, you know, different places. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, so that's you where the I'm full from. Southern experience. Yeah, definitely. De- deep South, you know, and, uh, you know, Lafayette, you get, it's very, very, very humid, you know, Louisiana, yeah. Arkansas is hot, but Louisiana is like next level humidity over yeah. there. So <laughs> yeah. Being from Texas, I, I, we, where we lived, we had the hot, we had the humidity, we had all of that. It was not, not enjoyable. Yeah. Um, Arkansas football fan. Yeah, man, that's pretty much it. Like you are raised to love the Razorbacks. Like I, I wish that we could disciple people like Arkansas disciples people <laughs> to love the Razorbacks. Cause they, uh, man, that's, you know, you're woo pig suey. Like you're like three months old, man, you're teaching kids how to do that. So, um, that to play on that team, you are basically royalty in the state forever. So it's, Honestly, now these last few years, it's been a great time to be a Razorback fan. For a while, it was uh, very stark, you know, a uh, very challenging time for, especially when I first moved out here. Yeah. Didn't want to fly the flag too high, yeah. honestly. But uh, yeah. I started we, to text you last weekend. I can't remember if it was AM. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for bringing that up, though, Gabe. <laughs> Appreciate that. It was a heart, heartbreaking loss. Yeah. So I, I have. I literally, I cannot watch. If I'm preaching on Sunday and the Razorbacks are playing on Saturday, I can't watch the game. Because I have to take another hour and recenter myself yeah. in the Lord after that. So, so passionate about it. So I have to just kind of check. But we, we try to be faithful. You got to love our team, man. And I'll, I'll love support those guys, you know, from a distance. But it's, it's really hard when you lose a tough game. Yeah. Well, I think that's why God put Cowboys games after Sunday service. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, that's I'm, another close team. I need a couple of days to, <laughs> to shake that one off. Yeah. I hear you. Well, how old were you and uh, what did it look like when you started following Jesus? Yeah. yeah that's a great question. As I mentioned, my, my family, uh, I, I, I like to say we were C student Christians or, you know, we were just... Um, didn't have all the answers, um, you know, especially my parents. I love my parents very deeply, and they are some of my been some of my biggest advocates. And I, as I have grown in my faith, and as God has called me, uh, it's been really cool to see what God has done in their life, also. Um, but but early on, you know, they were just like literally, we don't know what to do. Let's be in church. And my my life growing up was just all about sports. It was it was all about winning. I mean, that's like talk joke about. Uh, the Razorbacks, but in my part where I grew up, um, that was the highest winning, unfortunately, high school sports, college sports, you know, that was just the, the area of life that was, uh, forced on us. So I loved it, but the, the hard part is, you know, that is an empty and meaningless lifestyle. And, uh, I can remember I was, uh, basically, I think it was, you know, eight or nine or something like that. And I was playing in a baseball tournament. Maybe, maybe it was a little younger. And I can remember I, uh, our team happened to win. And like, uh, it was this real little rinky dink radio station interviewed me after the game. And like, I'd played a good game and, and it was just like really, really exciting. And then later that night I was just so depressed and I was down and it was just like, uh, cause I thought if I won, like I would feel validated. And my dad was like, what's wrong? And, uh, cause he said, you should be happy. You just won. And I was just like, well, I know, but I just didn't want it to end. And that just started this process of me realizing that man, win or lose, we were created for more than that. And I joke as existential as an 11 year old can be at that time. I just began to think surely there's more to our life. And later on, you know, that, 
As I said, that happened when I was maybe maybe eight years old. And when I was 11, that's when I was ready to, to come to know Christ. And so my parents did a great job of, uh, whether it was intentional or not, God certainly used it, creating an environment that allowed me to find faith, and they created a healthy culture. And there were some key guys in my life, like my, uh, my grandfather. Uh, I love all of my grandparents. My uh, grandmothers are incredible. They pray for me. Still this day, both of them are alive. They pray for me every day. Um, incredible ladies that I am so, so appreciative for. But uh, my grandpa on my dad's side, he was a really strong person of faith, man. And he, uh, I can remember growing up, uh, my dad didn't always sing in church. And I just thought, well, guys don't sing at church. Yeah. And, and then uh, the guy in front of the church, this is his job. That's why he does it. He's paid to sing. Yeah. You got to pay that guy to make him sing. You know. <laughs> and uh, But then I went to my grandpa, and uh, I saw him singing at church. And I'm like, well, he fought in two world wars, and <laughs> he's a man. Like, If he does it, then it must be okay for other guys to do it. And so just seeing him was, was really, really strong. So we, I, I think... Honestly, it was a big part of our my call to ministry is because I know that our family, we were built on the rock of Jesus. Amen. And that has held us up through many, many, many storms. And there are a lot of storms that our, our family has gone through, but God has been faithful. And uh, I just have seen that so much in my life. And I, I have been blessed very much because of so many other people had invested spiritually in me and my family. So not a perfect family by any stretch, but, but healthy and, and founded on the gospel. And it, it sort of uh, nurtured this path for me to, to come to grow the Lord, to, to love the Lord and, and grow in him. So that's, that's kind of a lot of the path of what that looked like for me. That's great. I, you know, there's a lot of people who are in the kingdom because of the prayers of grandparents. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I think about like whenever people come, to do ministry in our city and, and uh, especially from a different context or from a church uh, perspective, I would just say, I have been prayed for by multiple people every day of yeah. my life. There's people, many, many people, perhaps the vast majority of people in our city have never been prayed for by name by anyone. Wow. Yeah. And it's like when we're, we're walking through the community, pray for people, you know, when you meet people, pray for them. Cause that, that is so powerful. And it's, it's not a surprise to see, how God has moved and worked in my life after so many people have, uh, have fought for me in prayer. So definitely a powerful thing. That's very powerful. I think, uh, we, me and, um, a couple of other pastors, I know we've been talking recently about a conference that we have upcoming. We're putting together and the whole theme is legacy mm. and legacy leaving. It sounds like, you know, man, everything you're saying is just so tied into the legacy. Yeah. You know, your grand, your grandfather, your grandmother. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to be said for, and there, and there, they, my grandfather was many things. He was a man of few words yeah. in a lot of ways. He uh, worked with his hands uh, for his whole life, and like I said, World War II, Korean War, served at the post office, and built houses after that. Like and he, after he retired from the post office, he built houses until he just literally couldn't do it anymore yeah. and raise his family. And so, but. You just never know. To me, it's just like there's, as we do ministry here, sometimes you're connecting with somebody and it may not be in our time as we see them make a gospel transformation. You never know how God's going to use that person or their family yeah. to go and make a difference. And like, like I said, let's just say nobody, people had low expectations for a kid out of Nashville, Arkansas yeah. <laughs> that time. The odds of me uh, moving forward in, in ministry are, uh, were probably really, really small. But man, God, he lo- I think part of his st- what God does, part of why he's worked in my life that, because he takes the unexpected things and he just loves to, to, to lift those people up. And so I don't fit any of the categories as far as 
prestige. Like I said, family that um, loved the Lord but weren't like in ministry. But I, I think God just called me out to uh, show that He can use anybody. So, <laughs> so that that's where we're going. So how did that happen? How did you go from uh, you know eleven year old? ready to accept Christ, ready to follow him. What did that then look like uh, up to your call to yeah, ministry? You know, it's funny with, with my role now, uh, a big part of our need is raising up laborers for the harvest. Harvest, And I think one of the most strategic things that I can do is invest in the next generation yeah. to help uncover them, just like what I did. And there's a couple things that come to mind after I, like I said, I had a youth minister who, uh, he came to know Christ when he was 28. I remember him talking about that. And it was really powerful because he was so real and genuine and authentic in his faith. And ultimately I could see God preparing me to be in an unchurched context because I had a a leader like him that invested in me who was from an unchurched context and had lived without Christ for for a long time. But um, one of the unique things that he did is he took us to a conference and I can remember a powerful, uh, like a really, really powerful altar call there. And it's something that I use now when I'm connecting with with these young, the next generation is they said, we're not saying you're called to ministry, but if you're open to being called to ministry, will you come forward and pray right now? And um, when I heard that, I thought, you know, man, Jesus, like, <laughs> I think I was like maybe 12 or 13 at the time. Like I'm very, very minimal in my faith at this point, but I thought, man, Jesus gave everything to me. How could I not be open just to giving him my life and and just saying okay fine so I went forward. That is such a great and, invitation. And I, I know right and uh, and and I forgot about it until a few years ago and I remember I was connecting the dots and I prayed and I went forward and uh, honestly man you know I was twelve or thirteen I forgot about it I just moved on with my life but you put that yes on your table for on the table for Jesus yeah. he doesn't forget <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> and right. he honors that and then um, honestly when I was. Another time with that same youth pastor, I was sitting in a youth group. I was not listening at the time. And I happened to look up, you know, counting ceiling tiles, whatever, you know, it was pre mobile phone. So um, a lot harder to be distracted at that time. You're but I, I, was, away now. I would still find my ways to, to do that. But he said, if you ask God to direct you to have a purpose for your life, he will, he will answer that prayer in his time. And I was just like, I was a little incredulous, honestly, because I'm just like, Lord, I know you love me. I know you died for me and Jesus died for me, but I just, I find it hard to believe you have a purpose for my life. Like I am one of billions of people in a relatively insignificant part of the world. As much as I could at that time, I was just like, God, if you have something you want me to do beyond loving you, being a good dude, good business person, maybe sports, whatever that case would be, then you could let me know. But I'm a little skeptical about this. And you know, it's funny, once again, that challenge over over the course of the next year, God made it very, very clear in my life that he was calling me to ministry. And um, like it's, it was so far off the path. It was not something that I was pursuing. Is nothing, never, anyone ever really forced it upon me in any way. And it was so hard. And I was honestly really, really, uh, just seeking God because like, I want you to make this clear so that I don't, I don't just want to say this and recant at some point later on. And we actually had a world changers, which is like a kind of like an old school missions thing that was coming to our city. So we were on mission in our city because there were a lot of needs in our city. And I was getting ready to go play in a golf tournament 
And I just felt like, man, this is, this is weak sauce for me to go play in a golf tournament and you have people to come in to serve in our city. So I was like, I, you know, withdrew from that tournament and I said, man, I'm going to go serve in our city. I'm going to step up for my, for our, our, our town. And, uh, it was during one of those nights I had really been seeking God strong about, Hey, if you want to call me to do this, let me know. And that night it was the most powerful time that I've ever heard God speak to me just as far as volume, because I'd been seeking God for so long. And it was about Moses and all the excuses he had given God about why he couldn't do ministry and God just answering those. And many of those same things that I had thought through, I didn't, I may, maybe I'd heard the passage. I certainly I just, I related so much with Moses's excuses and I just felt God's power so much and I'm literally weeping and my, you know, I'm like, I'm like 17, uh, about to turn 18 at the time. My friends are like, bro, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, I'm all right, you know, I'm okay. You know? And so I'm like, uh, but I'm getting ready to leave and God spoke so clearly. And I'm like, if I leave, I know that I'm in disobedience. Wow. And, uh, cause like God's God answered that prayer. And so I grabbed my youth director and, or one of my, the youth volunteers and I told him he was so stoked. And then my youth leader, he was like, I'm not that surprised. And I was like, I'm very surprised. Why would you ever think about this for me? And it probably went back to that experience where I went forward and prayed when yeah. I was 13 and just forgot about it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that was a very, very call, a powerful call to ministry for me. And then, Later, just learn about missions and, and the church I was at in college was, and there's a lot of just amending, but we moved around a lot right after that. We moved to a different place and met some, and we were in Louisiana at the time. And then I ended up in college in Northwest Arkansas, just an amazing church there. First Baptist Church, Russellville, Arkansas, man, they had such a heart for missions and uh, got, got, uh, was a part of some great discipleship and men just investing in me. And um, like in many instances, me saying, I know that I, I don't know how to do this. Like in marriage, I want to be discipled in how to, uh, how to be a good husband, but I'm, you know, single right now, but I know there's a lot that I need to learn and just pouring in me and then caught a heart for missions and eventually met my wife. You know, that was, uh, you know, an earth shattering, shaking moment where she, my wife's from, from Uruguay in, uh, South America for those, uh, not quite sure where that is yeah. down by, by Brazil and Argentina. And, um, you so, saw the confusion. Yeah. Look on my face. <laughs> so that, uh, definitely just caught my heart, uh, for missions, just exploring, you know, and we were open to go over this overseas and, uh, eventually felt God calling us to, uh, to global city in, in San Diego or global city in the United States and, uh, really open to that and, and explored that call in seminary and uh, so that's that's kind of how we uh, came this direction. All so right. yeah, I got to back you way up. Yeah, so, yeah, let's go. Uh, when you moved and you began that church, did you say it was First Baptist Russellville? Yeah, yeah, in college, First Baptist Russellville. So how when you got to that church, how did you how did you let that church, the pastors, and them know? Hey, guys, just so you know, I've yeah, I think I've been called to ministry, and this is something I would like you to disciple me in. I'd yeah, like to yeah, pursue. yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's a great question. So my my first year in college, I, I feel like it was a time where God was moving in my life in such powerful ways, and I had I didn't get connected with a church really well at that time, and I was just as a as a young man, I didn't really know anybody at that town, and I was it was a pretty lonely time for me that first year, and uh, I was playing golf at the time and still, um, you know, when golfers, <clears throat> whenever they're doing well in their game, everything like is going great. Sometimes when you, when you're, when you're figuring out a, a, a tough patch and I was learning to play at, at the collegiate level for a little while. And that first year was a learning process for me. So, but, uh, 
I knew I had heard about towards the end of my freshman year, I learned about First Baptist Russellville and I was like, I'm going to get plugged in at a church. And I was involved with BCM there, Baptist Collegiate Ministries. And I was going to church, but I just said, this is the church where I'm going to plug into when I come back next time around. And uh, in the fall, I just showed up and I was like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to come every Sunday. I'm going to be a part of this church. I'm going to plug in. I'm not going to go visit grandma, you know, or grandpa at the time or, or whoever, my aunts and uncles. It was great to see them. Grateful for that time. But I was like, I need to establish, you know, I need to be a part of a local church body here. And, you know, I just was available, man. And I would just show up. And um, eventually they were like, uh, hey, we need somebody to... Uh, to watch the gym, like whenever people come play volleyball. And I was like, man, I could do that, yeah. you know, and events. And they were like, we also need somebody to uh, unlock and lock the doors. We'll, uh, we'll pay you. I think it was like $35 a Sunday, you know, to, uh, to go and be there first thing Sunday uh, morning, lock up after lunch or around lunch, come back for Sunday night church. And uh, I was like, Hey man, that's cool. So I, I think it was me just being available and being willing to jump in and help. And uh, you know, I was just, willing to, willing to serve. And as I did that, I think, uh, like I said, some great guys saw something in me and they would invite me to be a part of stuff. And I was really willing to, to do that. And it was just, it was, it was a really special time in my life. Those, those people are so dear and so precious to me. I'm so glad that I still continue partnership with them here in San Diego. They're really involved here in San Diego. Oh, that's great. But, uh, but yeah, I think it was making myself available and then uh, a healthy church context, them seeing that. And they, invited me in and just saying, Hey, I want to, I want to learn. And, uh, I think that's, that was the first step. Yeah, that's great. I think a lot of times, um, that is the, the key there. There's a lot of times I've talked to people and they're, you know, Hey, I feel called to ministry and it's like, okay, Hey, let's start working on that. Well, I, you know, I got this to do also, and I have to do this and I have to, I understand life gets in the way, but being available and being willing, I've talked about it in other episodes of this. A lot of times when a man says, uh, I think I'm, I feel called to ministry. What they mean is I would really like the opportunity to get up and preach every Sunday. <laughs> and there's yeah. so much more to yeah. ministry. And, and than it's that. funny. It, it is opening and locking doors. It yeah. is. And looking back for me, like I, I can remember because God had, he had basically like branded my soul with that call experience. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was very upfront anytime that I was with a pastor, like under them, as far as their leadership, I would say, God has put this call in my life. I don't know what to do with it, but I want to make sure you know, Yeah. because I'm like, God told me really clear yeah. and I'm not going to go back on those things for what he said. And I like any development that you would have. And I was just, I didn't know the first thing. And man, I've just had my church where I first was called or my pastor spent some time meeting with me and, um, yeah, he just encouraged me to, uh, you know, get good experiences, like even getting a business degree. So I ended up getting a business degree uh, as a part. It's what he recommended. I was like, I don't know any better. You're the <laughs> pastor that I know. Okay, I'll do that, you know? And it was just cool how God used those key people in my my life, just providentially. Yeah. And uh, it, it made such a big difference. So yeah, making yourself available. And then if God has put that call on your life, you need to own that. You need to let people know and, and be willing to, to be invested in. And then, yeah. as you said, when they, when they ask you to serve, be, be willing to step up, yeah. you know, and, and that was, uh, those are really, really special time in my life, man. Felt, felt God's presence so strong in that time, looking back. And even though it was a lonely period at times, um, early on, man, God was just so, so close to me in that time. So really, really good memories yeah. in the, from that period. That's great. Is this the same pastor who did the, uh, so the same guy that, 
recommended you get a business degree. Is this the same pastor who said you may not be called to ministry, but if you're open to the call to ministry? No, it was a different guy. Okay. It was a different guy. You got yeah. some wise men in your yeah. life. I, yeah, no, I, I mean, I've been, like I said, I, I have been so blessed with amazing people and it's a, it's a stewardship, you know, and yeah. ultimately you realize, man, God, if he invested so much in me early on and so many people came like, man, I, I want to do the same thing for others yeah. and multiply that and don't waste it. You know, I mean, just, just to have the foresight to say a business degree, especially considering what you do now with church planting and yeah. anything on the mission field, um, you know, that's, that's forward thinking. Well, I, I like, literally I was like, okay, I guess if I'm going to be in ministry, I guess I need to go to Christian college. Yeah. And he was like, you know, he's not bashing Christian college, but he's like, if you're going to go to seminary, you're going to get a lot of the Bible stuff later on. So if you want to go to a public school, like you don't have to just go to a Christian school. So I ended up going to Arkansas Tech, mm-hmm. Northwest Arkansas. It was a great environment for me, uh, being in a basically like in a in a, a public school in a mission field type of uh, opportunity. That was like honestly my first church planning experience, proto church planning experience. I guess was starting a Bible study in the in the guys' dorm yeah. over there. And it was a lot of fun getting to do that. So that was a that was always a special place for me. Yeah. So uh, J.R. DeBusk. Uh, pastor there. I, th- I believe he's in uh, Heber Springs area in Northeast Arkansas now. So really, really grateful. And he's still like, what's so cool? He, when it's my birthday, Gabe, he will still text me to this That's day. Great. Like, man, I hope that I can be 20% of the pastor that he is. That's great. You know, people move yeah. away so easy to forget. So it's just so incredible that he would, he would remember that, remember me. And that, that is something that's very dear with all the stuff that I do now. The more that I do ministry, the more that I value, not just, I mean, what God does through me, but the relationships along the way. And that relationship is very, very special for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's God puts those people in our lives. My, I, I won't get too much into it, but I, when I was a teenager, um, I was going to church. I called myself a Christian, all of these things, but also, you know, I wasn't fully mm-hmm. devoted, committed, anything like that. Um, but during one service, the pastor asked, hey, Gabe, would you read a passage of scripture and pray or the church? And I'm a teenager. I don't know, 14, 15. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And I got up and I read. I took it very seriously. I read and I prayed uh, what I believe to be a very sincere prayer. When I got done, I was uh, I was leaving the stage and the pastor stopped me and he said, Gabe, I think God's going to call you to be a pastor. Wow. And I was just like, whatever, <laughs> dude. And that's amazing. Didn't think like you, I didn't think about it again for years mm. until I, uh, God did just change my life. And I became a devoted follower of Christ. And my life, you know, completely became all about God, his glory, his kingdom. And uh, started leading Bible studies. And then that resurfaced that thought. Mm. And I was like, I remember that. I, that was so weird. And I <laughs> sought that pastor out. We hadn't talked mm-hmm. in over a decade. Um, and uh, I had to go through some friends to track him down to yeah. where he was now. And I was like, hey, you probably don't remember me. But he's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. And I was like, D- you told me something mm. one time. And uh, so then I I left. I was in California at the time. I left California and went to Texas just to meet with him, to mm. tell him everything that was going on in my life. Wow. And uh, he baptized me. Wow. Um and so, Amazing. yeah, that's a that's a, another special relationship yeah. I well, have. Well, and I think that the same pastor, as I said, that was instrumental in the call to ministry, which, by the way, he was preaching the night. He preached the passage from Exodus of Moses's call that was so powerful. He was also the pastor who led me to the Lord. Amen. And uh, what I think that's a what a cool picture of being. That's something that we all want to 
see is a, a brother that or somebody that comes to know Christ in our church to grow up and feel a call to ministry is really, really special. So uh, J.R. DeBusk is a, is a hero in my life for sure. So Amen. super, super grateful for him. That's great. Um, I'm sure he's going to be listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I have to give him some props. <laughs> make sure he, he, he gives it a listen. He'll get one more listener for, for you, you buddy. <laughs> uh, so then tell us what that looks like. You were, you were called to a, a global city. How did you begin to discern that call? And this is really getting into what you do now and yeah. what you're good at. So start off like let's, we're talking to somebody out there who may be discerning a call to ministry. Maybe he's discerning a call to move to a ascend city. Yeah. Um, what is that? What are the internal cues? What are the yeah. external cues? What did it look like for you to be called to San Diego? Yeah, it was interesting because, like as I mentioned, there's so many places in the world where there's there's need. And once I walked through that door, and for my wife and I together, where we just said, "Hey, we want to pursue serving God together," and we're open to wherever He would call us. You walk through that door, and there's like a hundred other doors as far as what the next steps would be, and we. Really, like I became, uh, from a biblical standpoint, I think it's really not so much about me finding a position where I wanted to serve, but realizing I'm here for a mission. Yeah. Like I'm here for a purpose to be about God's great commission. So I have a reason that God has something that he wants me to do within that and for my wife and I together. And so that was a shift, basically, from me just having a place where I can exercise my gifts to realizing, no, I'm a part of what God has called me to do. And yeah. it's not about maybe even the best fit for me at times, but it's what God calls me to do. And then as we were praying about that, sometimes I would get sucked into seeing where the greatest need was. And um, while it is very, very important to be aware of places in the world that have the greatest need, it's I think it's more important, it's most strategic to be where God is calling you to be. And those mm-hmm. are, are not always the same thing. Yeah. And I, I think he has us in different, not everybody is going to be the front lines necessarily at the the greatest uh points of our, you know, like nexes of, of lostness, but it's really to be at um, wherever he wants. And part of that was us discerning, like, who are we? Where do we feel God calling us to be? And so as I, I, let's narrow this down a little bit. And we, we knew my wife and I, uh, my wife grew up in a, in Montevideo, which is the capital city there in Uruguay. And, uh, pretty large place, very, very dense. And I was, I just like, statistically speaking, most of the people that need Jesus are in urban areas. Yeah. And, and I think you look at the apostle Paul, he would plant churches and missional engagement in um, metropolitan areas. And from there, uh, plant churches around there. And, and just, if you could plant there, those re- roads from the city would lead to many different places. And so we felt that made sense. And then even theologically, or just like, Biblically, I, I felt like God put me in a submission hold uh, to support church planting. Like mm-hmm. I just, I didn't see missions take place away from the local church in these areas. Right. And so, when really, when you talk about missions, you're really talking about church planting. Right. And a lot of when you're going to a place where a church doesn't exist, what else are you going to do but plant a church? Yeah. You know. And like, as I said, we're going to engage the cities, make disciples, and plant a church. But you're you're really talking about church planting. Yeah. And, and I so, think that's yeah. that's part of the. Okay, thinking through the plan, you know, a lot of times people, uh, they have this this idea, I want to be a missionary, I want to go on missions. What does that look like? Well, you go, you share the gospel, you make Christians. Mm-hmm. Then what? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. the next step. It's, yeah. And so it is, it's thinking through, okay, what is the, what is the conclusion of this? What yeah. is God going to do with this? And the idea is planting a church. Well, and, and I think something that I, that I mentioned to people now, I said, once you get past those things, I think there's no way you're, you're going to be 
a part of a local church community. That's where believers exist. Yeah. And you have different giftings, but everyone is going to be a part of that main mission. That's right. Every, so, but it's finding that fit. And I think for us, it was a global city with a high concentration of people who need Jesus, where we could serve in church planting and then mobilize from the nation for the nations. So that's our way of thinking. Because there's so many places that have need. We thought, man, if we can go to some of these global cities, you have a chance to impact a lot of different people groups in which, you know, San Diego, you know, fits those categories. And a couple of, so what I said there, that like just the brevity of that statement, you know, we're talking seven years of soul grinding, (laughs) you know, like just seeking the Lord, getting wisdom, getting feedback from others, taking steps one direction, thinking, I love this. I didn't like this. So it's a big process, but I I think it's one of the most important. You just have to work really hard to get that laser focus, crystal clarity about what you're called to do. And then now you're so much, you're able to evaluate options better. Like until you know what God is calling you to do, what context and I, I even like described it with certain categories. Maybe that's not even the way that you want to describe it. You know, mm-hmm. that's not even the categories that you're looking at, but you need to seek God and, and, and really depend on other leaders in your life that he is going to use yeah. um, to, to uh, help discern what that was. And uh, what we had mentioned before, like Uruguay, for those who don't know, also uh, the first language for Uruguayans is Spanish. So that's uh, my, my wife's language uh, growing up. Her English was great when we met. But I, and because I was really passionate about my wife, I became very passionate about learning Spanish yeah. and I really didn't have much of a motivation before, but honestly, one dude, uh, we were hanging out one time right after we started dating, this guy uh, said something to me in, uh, or said something to my wife looking at me and kind of laughed and it was in Spanish and it was kind of one of those, <laughs> you know, one of those moments yeah. I'm like, bro, you could uh, like certain things translate language or, uh, or above language. And I was like, bro, you said something about me. You're, you're talking smack. And my wife didn't really laugh that much. And then I asked afterwards, she's like, I don't remember what he said. Yeah. And I was like, he said something. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to need to learn Spanish. So that like, you know, awakened that competitive spirit within yeah. me. And uh, so I, I signed up for an 8 a.m. Spanish class. Like, if you didn't know I was serious about the relationship, you take an 8 a.m. Spanish class. That that showed my wife. But yeah, uh, that's be- because of that, we uh, we looked for a Latino city. I mean, we just felt that would be super strategic. And then uh, connecting with San Diego certainly fit that. And we had a mutual friend, uh, had a great chance to come and learn here in, in San Diego to partner with uh, John and Diane Worcester. So just uh, those around here call John the Yoda of church planting in a lot of ways. But did he plant mission trails? He right? planted mission trails. Yeah, yeah he's planted all over uh, all over the United States and uh, Canada. Yeah, I remember Kyle was telling me about him. Yeah, yeah, on, exactly. On the episode with Kyle. common denominator. So the other way about calling, especially where we were, I wanted to play to find a place that could develop me at the same time that I was serving, and I think that's mm. an important part of calling. Is is like you like especially at twenty eight. Like I have, I, I've certainly experienced a lot in that time, but I had a lot to learn. Yeah, and I wanted to be at a spot where I could learn and grow, and realizing, hey, I'm at a church of twelve hundred people in north northwest Arkansas. I'm going to be called to move to a city of you know a county of three point five million people with high concentration of people that don't know Jesus. Most of the church plants are less than a hundred people. Most of the churches are less than a hundred people. This is a completely different Olympic sport. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized I need to learn from somebody. And that was I had people coach me in that and that was, you know, learning from John and Diane was 
was one of the most important aspects. So all those variables together fit really well for San Diego for us. That's great. How much and and how how did you experience this? And how do you when you're recruiting people or you're helping people think through their calling? Uh, where does Christian freedom like fit into that? I think, yeah, you said something a minute ago and it made me think of experiences in my own life and the way I've tried to, uh, put it into words when you, sometimes when you walk through an open door, there's 20 other doors that you can choose. And I think sometimes we have this wrong, I know in my life, I've had this wrong perception of God at times where it's like, oh no. Mm. I don't know what to choose. If I take the wrong step, God's going to be so mad. He's going to hammer me. Yeah. When that's not the God we serve. Yeah. And yeah. we do have us outside of a very specific call to a very specific place where not going would be disobedience. We have freedom yeah, in how definitely. we serve and glorify Christ. So how does, how did freedom factor into your calling and how do you uh, advise or mentor young men, not even young men yeah, yeah, to, um, to factor freedom into their their decision that's a great question so it's a long question yeah but i I think like uh there's two different types of of matters uh, i think scripture deals with there's right and wrong and there's right and left and i think um i like i would tell college students i would say 90 percent of of life is really going to fit into that right and wrong category and if you can boil it down and allow god to search your heart and, uh, you know, let other people speak into you and where we're not hiding behind excuses or circumstance. A lot of life, the questions are very simple. And if you're doing great, which it's really hard to kill it on all that 90% of right and wrong. But as we're making great decisions there, the right and left really clears up. And there's a lot of you have many uh, awesome options to choose from moving forward. And so I think just like what you were saying, in instances, God will give you freedom and clarity from as you're honoring him in that 90% to go and choose and make a choice. And the the asterisk for that moment is there are those, what I call burning bush moments. And as I said, because that's literally, it was a burning bush moment for me where God says, you know what, Jeremy, man, you're, you are trying to follow me and I appreciate that. And you're going this direction. Well, I'm going to give you a course correction. I'm going to move you a different place. So I think that's the asterisk where you're saying, Lord, I want to honor you in what you've clearly called me to do. Biblically, scripturally, and in these right and left decisions, as long as I'm honoring you, I'm going to make those. But I also want to bathe things in prayer. Yeah. I want to I want to listen to you and allow you to speak. And if you are are giving me freedom in this instance, or if I don't have like a burning bush, then I, I want to move forward in that. And another thing that I would tell guys too, like for us when we came out, we said, "Hey, we want to come and try it out for a year." Yeah, <laughs> because we 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 felt like this lined up well, but we didn't have that like concrete, like rock solid. So it's like, hey, let's try and and let's go, let's take a step in that direction. And which one other thing I feel like when we talk about calling biblically for ministry, we think of it differently for calling into other fields. Cause I'll, I'll give you like, for example, like with, uh, with golf, you know, like I was not, I was a super average college golfer, you know, but, um, some people are like, Hey Jeremy, like if you had a chance to play professional golf, if like, if, Hey, move to move to San Diego to pursue professional golf, like if I would have told people about that, I said, well, I'm going to pray about it. They're like, dude, you should just do it. Yeah. <laughs> just go like, Hey, maybe you can win a lot of money. Maybe, you know, you can tithe all your earnings, yeah. but it, but it's like, we have these, um, these time bound opportunities where if we don't, you got to 
you know, take the exit or not. And if you miss that exit, you miss that opportunity. And I think calling, but when it comes to God calling as a San Diego, it's like, well, I need to pray about that for a couple of years before I go and do that. And that was, it may just be me personally, but that's me making an idol out of, out of success in some ways and, or of me, my own, uh, getting the most out of my gifting and really realizing, hey, God has already called us to be on mission. So the question should not be, is God calling us to go or is he calling us to stay? You know, it's just a shift in mentality yeah. and realizing I'm going to keep looking, you know, moving at where uh, places like like Paul, you know, he was feeling called to, to move one direction. And, and then God says, no, I'm, I'm sending you to, to Macedonia, you know, for, from that spot. So he was moving in different places and, and God was closing a door. Sometimes yeah. we just want to sit and we want God to, we're not out there being active pursuing mission. We're just waiting, really hoping to, I mean, for me personally, it was me trying to get God to bless my plans yeah. rather than God, what's your plan for my life? Yeah. And, and what, how can I be about if that? If God wants me to, to evangelize somebody, he'll put them in my path. Yeah. He'll put them in my life. <laughs> Instead of God has commanded me to evangelize people, let me go find. Exactly. So to yeah. me, the, there's so much in the right and wrong that we're called to do yeah. that if we would get serious about that, then that's going to bring much more clarity. More, many more people, I feel like, would be called to ministry. It doesn't mean necessarily all of their funding is going to come from ministry, but they will be called to ministry if you start leaning in on that 90% of right and wrong. That is so good. That's, that's all good stuff. Um, so you come out and, and you're serving in this uh, church plant. Mm-hmm. Then what does it look like to go from that to, okay, I'm going to plant a church now? Yeah, yeah. So from day one, when I came uh, having communication with John, I was like, man, I, I want you to train me. I want to be trained in how to church plant. I know you have experience. And for him, having experience in the United States and internationally was something that was very intriguing for me. And I thought, man, it would be be an honor for me to learn from you and, and to come alongside. And he said, well, it's great. I'm actually getting ready to launch another campus of Mission Trails. So you could come along and be a part of this. We'll have a time to where you can learn. And, and honestly, we're going to fill you out and see if this is a good fit for you. And um, so it wasn't like when we moved out, we're for sure going to send you, but it's like, bro, we don't know you. Like (laughs) we got to get to know you and see, and we're going to do. No, no, trust me. I'm a good guy. (laughs) I'm your guy. No doubt. We're going to have to see you serve. And uh, like, once again, it was, Hey, if you want to, my initial involvement in church planning, where you're going to arrive there first, you're going to help set up. You're going to sweep the floor. You're going to do yeah. whatever it is. So once again, going back to that availability call from there, and then over time being involved in serving and learning from, which at the time uh, Kyle Walters was was leaning and 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 John. So as a, you know, you mentioned Kyle. Kyle is a big brother for me in church planning out here. Super super special guy in my life. Grateful Kyle's for awesome. him. And uh, so as he was lead planting, it was a great time for me to come alongside and learn. And then there was always intentionality after that point when they thought I was ready to send me out. It was basically after about a year, year and a half is when we were moving forward. But, uh, but yeah, that was kind of the, uh, there was a cost of admission to kind of get through the door. Yeah. And then there was development beyond that to see um, what the good fit was. And so we were sent out, that was 2010 when we moved out. And then we were, we were sent out to plant in the end of 2012 and uh, officially launched in the beginning of February 10th, 2013. Most, most church planners remember their launch date. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, that's a big one. A big day for you. And then so you you pastored that church, and it was only recently, though, that you stepped out of the role of lead pastor more to take on. Yeah, that's a good question. So um, we were we rented in a movie theater, yeah. and we, we picked a community. like a, It's funny. I've, I've learned a lot in the process, but I, uh, I picked one of the most unchurched areas in the city to plant, and... Um, 
for me, the, the challenge, I didn't understand why there weren't churches there at the time. Now I, I'm keenly aware <laughs> of the challenges that, that exist. And, um, but, but in that spot, we were in a movie theater there renting for, for a long time and had a number of, of uh, amazing people come to, come to know faith and a lot of interesting people right there by a trolley stop. For, yeah. So for those of you who aren't from here in San Diego, the tr- the, to ride a bus, you have to get a ticket. You have to ha- pay a fare to get on. For a trolley, they don't, you still have to, they expect you to pay. There's not someone there guarding the door. So at, on a trolley, you can't even get to the trolley driver. They just like, they're in their own, you can't even talk to them. They can't even hear you. They're like in a seemingly bulletproof cage yeah. <laughs> over there. So and you have all flavors of life enter the, the trolley <laughs> that's there. And so that was right across from our church. And it was really cool to see God use that to bring all manner of people there. And so uh, really, really awesome. And uh, But as a part of, that experience. Nam approached me in July, or I guess early 2016, and I ended up transitioning to the uh, uh, a preparatory role for what I am in now in July of 2016. So yeah, I had I had served I served at least leave pastor there for uh, almost four years. We led us through after I started that job with Nam. It led us through a process of of finding finding another uh, pastor to come in, and I would continue to be a part of the church and help lead as like a like a teaching pastor, a support pastor, and so did that. And then, uh, yeah, so that, and we had a merger in there a lot, yeah. a lot, maybe another podcast that yeah. discusses some Long of those on. things, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm still a teaching pastor now and I serve alongside uh, lead pastor at Charlie Hauk over at our church at Mesa church is, is the name of it now. So really, really excited about what God is doing there. That's great. So, uh, what is following Jesus look like for you now? You've served in all these different mm-hmm. roles. You've been trained, you've been mentored, you have trained and mentored others, um, what does following Jesus look like for you now? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Gabe. Like, the more that I, uh, you know, have ex- ministry experience, the more I focus just on simple things, man, of just uh, time with the Lord. And, you know, in some ways, uh, before I had, when I was single and before I had an incredibly uh, complex but amazing job, it was easier for me to get quiet time like yeah. when I was in college. I mean, I felt like I killed my quiet time when I was in college. And now I'm like, you know, sometimes I like being keeping it a hundred, like it's 10 o'clock and I'm like, bro, I didn't spend enough time with the Lord yeah. today. I'm like, pull out my iPhone, get a 90 second quick, uh, power, uh, quiet time there. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's making sure that I am, uh, stay close to Jesus and stay clean. And, um, like I had a chance to, uh, spend some time with Ed and Kathy Litton yeah. just recently. I know you were there also and hearing from Ed, one of the things that he said, um, and he was he was careful to mention he he couldn't quite remember where it came from himself, but I <laughs> I will at this point attribute it to Ed. At this point, I haven't heard I heard it from him most recently, but he said to make sure that God's work through you doesn't destroy God's work in you. Ah, uh, yeah. And I and I think there's there's some seasons of ministry, and unfortunately, some some dear brothers in my life, they're um, you know for lack of a better term their closure to ministry didn't end up the way that they would have preferred, you know, had, had, you know, it's, it's easy to qualify something just as a quote unquote moral failure, but there's, there's a number of things that lead to that. And I think at some point it's where we just become professional and we're not just this, like what it says in Colossians, just as you came to Christ Jesus as Lord, continuing him rooted and built up. It's somehow we, we thought we came to Christ and we didn't have anything to offer. Now somehow we're doing God a favor by doing ministry. Yeah. And it's like, no, man, I just, I want to each day, I want to maintain the 
just the joy of of my relationship with the Lord and just for me for me personally and you know everybody's different that's one of the most important things for me to uh, make sure that I'm trying to stay white hot in my relationship with Jesus and that I am ministering from an overflow yes so um, just you know keeping Christ at the center of my life as I, as I uh, you know relate to to him to my wife to my kids and um, to my ministry and to our church. Um, whatever that may be. So it's just, it's the simple stuff, man. You know, it's not like, you know, this really higher level stuff, the, the higher, I feel like the more you grow as a, as a leader or a servant in your context, the more it's important to stay rooted in just these simple disciplines. Yeah. That's so good. And and the reason I ask everybody this question, I think a lot of times whenever someone is feeling called into ministry, it's almost this idea of once I get into a ministry role or I'm in full-time ministry, um, that's when things will be perfect between me and Jesus. And it's almost confusing uh, your ministry with your relationship. It's, mm. you know, like you said, it, it comes, your ministry comes out of mm. that relationship. You can't 100%. substitute and just say, I'm going to do a bunch of things for God. That'll yeah. bring me close. Well, to and him. I will tell you, like I mentioned that time when I was in uh, like senior in high school, freshman in college, those college years, those were times where the Lord was was building a foundation yeah. in my life to build on. And then there's other moments where, for whatever reason, like uh, just sin in my life. Like I think we underestimate the impact of sin in our lives, Absolutely. you know, and it's God has to, you know, literally move heaven and earth to, to not, I mean, obviously our sins are paid for, but this sanctification process of cleaning us up and there's, it just goes to a genetic level almost of God having to scrub out all that sin. Yeah. And put us through these seasons. So there's sometimes even, you know, when I first moved out here, that was a period where I sensed God, he was, it was a, a character refinement, yes. you know, and we go through those times. So I, I think that's one of the most important aspects of uh, not just success, but longevity in ministry is, uh, you know, making sure that we're reflecting the character of Christ and not from white knuckling, but um, just living this vine, you know, he's the vine, we're the branches. We yeah. can, we disconnect from him. We're nothing, yeah. you know, and just like, let us never get beyond that. So I, I just, you know, sadly, I, I've seen uh, too many uh, people fail in that men and women, extremely profoundly gifted, way more gifted than I would ever dream about being Yet, um, man, if we lose, we lose that that uh, wonder of Jesus, and we just get disconnected from Him, or we just become a prof- professional, you know, performer in some ways. It is, uh, it is a formula for failure. It is pretty much, yeah. and ministry so. can become an idol in that way. Mm. I, I was surprised when I was in seminary how many how many men were attending seminary did you know because of this call on their life to go serve a church, lead a church. Yet they weren't serving in a church in any mm. way. It was yeah. almost they weren't doing evangelism. They wow. weren't. It was almost this idea of well, you know, once I'm a pastor, then I'll mm. start that stuff. I'm like, dude, if you're not doing it now, yeah, know. yeah, and I, and I think that goes back to uh, I, I, you know, I have a number of friends that that work in the seminary field, and I think what they would pursue, just like that same conversation we had earlier today, is like a life mission. You know, what is that life mission? And putting yourself in a local church context where the that is that is not just an organization. That is the body of Christ. Right. It's it's sin to be disconnected. That's something that you are nutritionally depriving yourself by not being a part of a local church. And uh, that's that's one of the ways that God is going to grow you. So making sure you clarify that. And and for us, I, I, like even for young people now, I want them to be a part of church planting. But I would say you need to pursue, uh, or and even to pursue seminary as as that's a great fit. But 
find a local church that you can be a part of. And that's one of the unique things now with distance learning and distance education. Like I'm, I'm a big advocate for that because like just keeping it real, like we don't have like a lot of seminaries yeah. here where people can, can come and, yeah. and, and it's just part of the problem uh, of the need that we have. But if they can come here, serve a part of a great team and do some distance learning, you know, gateway is really close, but you know, amazing uh, schools like, you know, all of our SBC places are going to have online stuff now. Yeah. So really easy to get plugged in through that. But get you cannot rob yourself of that Christian community. How often do you have in, in your role now, how often do you have people come to you and they say, hey, you know, I feel called to plant a church, but then you find out, well, they're not serving in a church anywhere. And how often is that? I, I would think that it would tend to be, uh, I know I've had the conversation with a couple of people, not a lot, but it's when they have this idea of planting a church, it's because, well, everybody else is doing it wrong. I don't like yeah. the way they're doing this. I'm going to do it right and start my own church. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of things there. I think part of church planting is a um, refining. It's a crucible, if yeah. you will. There's not a lot of uh, financial incentive to come plant a church. And if you were going to do that, you uh, if you're looking for it and, you know, no offense to anybody, but if you're looking for the path of least resistance in ministry, it's probably not going to be church planting. Right. You got to so, start a podcast to yeah, get famous. <laughs> yeah. Some of some of that um, helps us in some ways. I wish it, you know, I wish more people were. It was, you know, desirable to do that. But um, so occasionally that that does happen. And but for us, you know, with my role, I want to emphasize, man, churches plant churches. And if if you're not a part of a local church, like I'm gonna be having this conversation with a sending church beside you yeah. that's supporting you. And sometimes it's like, hey, I'm not a part of one. We're like, okay, that's fine. We just want to get you plugged in a healthy church here. And we want to give you a season to learn and grow for that sending church to believe in you and want to support you because we're not gonna come along. You you can't you know, skip steps in the process, no matter how gifted someone may be. So I think that's, uh, that's a part of the process in the same way leading into what you mentioned also about, um, you know, you know, sometimes we can feel like we're God's gift to church planning. And I I like to say, Jesus is God's gift to church planning, you know, and we need to, I, I think you cannot, it's very, very difficult, um, to come out a season of conflict, um, Maybe that's a nice way to put it, dysfunction, whatever it may be, and just think that I've been in this healthy spot for a number of years or whatever. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to go out and I'm going to plant something super healthy. Yeah. Like, I would, what I would rather have happen is, man, let's let you have a season of health at a healthy church, you know? And honestly, like, you have to have some time. I call it like pendulum planting sometimes. It's like if you've come out of a really challenging experience, you come around and say, hey, I'm going to swing the pendulum all the way on the other side, which can be very, very dangerous, you yeah. know, and something that we don't want to see happen. But let's let's go find somewhere, find a church where they're, do, they're doing ministry, they're leading, they're serving, they're discipling in a healthy way, yes. as close to what you uh, believe in that you th- you feel passionate about and go learn from them and just have a very open honest conversation I want to learn from you would you be willing to let us have a season to do that you get to know us and think about sending us out in some way to me that's just the best way to pursue it and I know there is I don't want to you know hesitate to make policies for these types of things but I think anybody that would tell you that has been successful coming out of an unhealthy situation they would probably say it was hard and they had to get coaching and support along the way. But yeah, that's just, uh, we, we don't just want to send people out with, with hope, yeah. hoping that stuff's, they're going to figure it out along the way. Yeah. Like if you're, you're uh, on a satellite uh, or a shuttle being 
you know, launched off the earth, you don't, they just, you don't just want to hope it's going to work out. Like if there's a problem, we need to deep dive and figure it out. And, you know, church planting in our context can be very, very challenging. And it's not just because you love Jesus and you're, you're, uh, you know, have a good plan doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be successful. So we want to, if there's a, there's a crack in the the foundation. We want to really, really lean into that and prepare it before we start building on it. That's great. Yeah, and and Nam does a great job of that. I know with the assessments and and the support that you mm. guys offer through the Sin Network is mm. really, really. And thank valuable. you, bro. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, what's something uh, most people don't know, but you wish they did about being a pastor mm. or the life of a pastor? Yeah, I, I would say a unique part of my role now is I connect with pastors a lot and Nam, uh, which we have an amazing leader in Kevin Ezell. It's been such a privilege to learn from him. And, uh, my regional director, Shane Kritzer, another amazing, amazing leader, awesome people to be around. One of the things we talk about past from the Nam standpoint, pastors are our number one customer. So we want to serve pastors. We want to be a blessing to them. We want to, at the end of the day, like Jerry Maguire, Help me help you, you know, that, that kind of idea. And what, what can I do to support you? And so I, it's, it's been unique from me being a pastor to now connecting with so many. And I think, you know, for those who are uh, maybe, whether you're pursuing ministry or you're in church, like, no, pastors can feel transactional sometimes. They can, no matter how vibrant their relationship with, with God is, it's tough when people don't express appreciation for you. And um, you give and you sacrifice. And, and I think pastors will never tell you this. They're, they're not going to say, man, I, I really wish you appreciated me more. <laughs> like there, there's no way that they can really express that in a healthy way. But it, it, it can feel very transactional yeah. to them. And man, just to love and support them and show honor to your, to your pastor and care about his wife and his kids and mm. like just let it be a joy for them. Yeah. And, and yeah, there's times for there's conflict and but... Let's let's handle those things in a God-honoring way and let's have a, a very healthy relational baseline, you know, of a Christ-centered approach so that as we're dealing with things, it's not the only time we're having discussions is when there's a problem. Yeah. So I, I just think, man, tell your pastor you appreciate him. You're not just when you you need something, <laughs> you know, but but lean in, support them and you know. Date, date night gift cards, yeah. whatever the case may be. I, I think pastors give a lot more than what people know. I, I really, really, they're, and they're not going to say anything about it. Yeah. And uh, they, they're going to humbly serve. And man, just just show that love and respect for them is, is key. That's that's good, man. That's really powerful. I, fortunately, I've been, a, I've been able to pastor to really loving churches. Uh, but I know a lot of times there are, sadly, are churches who, they see the pastor as an employee. Yeah. You know, it's, um, and, and that's how that relationship goes. Well, and I think for the kids of ministry, like one of my hopes for our city is that the church planners, kids, that they're grateful that their parents are doing what they yeah. do. Like, and I just, I don't want to, I don't want to look 20 years down the road and all these kids are like, man, I really wish, you know, you know, my, my dad had done something else or my mom and dad were, weren't a part of this. I wish we'd just gone to another church. I, I think, your children get to experience some really, really amazing things by being a part of church planting. But part of my my job is to say, whatever our programs are, you know, we want to run those, we want to be successful, but I, I care about, you know, Gabe and Misty, or I care about Kyle and Carly, you know, Charlie, Audrey, these people, their families, their kids. And uh, I want to be, I want to pray for them, be an advocate for them and, and help other churches to come alongside and serve. And that's just as important as um, the ministry that we're doing. We want to make sure we're, caring for our leaders in a Christ honoring way as they give so much just to support them. 
That's great. Uh, what about um, a favorite ministry story or a funny, funny? Yeah, it was funny, bro. Story? As we were just talking, yeah. I, I thought about a funny one. Like, okay. you know, like um, I this was right before I was called. A, it's funny how you were saying like some guys want to preach and be in front of people. That was really not my not my thing. I don't know, like introvert extrovert. I'm not sure where I would fit, but um, one of those would be a. I was at a Christian camp, like uh, it was. I think it was like in uh, Tennessee, maybe Union University Centrifuge. That used to be a thing. I yeah, think they're I still doing Centrifuge. it, doing it, doing it now. And I was maybe like fifteen or something, and they asked me to pray in front of the whole like, which there were five or six hundred. I don't remember at the time. It felt like literally thousands, but probably five or six hundred <laughs> kids were there. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to pray. And, uh, at everybody this, in Arkansas, yeah, they were all there. The whole town came out, yeah. you know, like with those, uh, moments with Jesus, but I was there. And so I'm at this point and, and, you know, like, you know, 14, 15, like going through the voice change thing. And, uh, so <laughs> I'm over there and like, uh, so I'm going up and, you know, it's really short, but I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go, let us pray and, and get started praying. And so I, I go up and I say, let us, <laughs> let us pray. And it was just my friends immediately, like I finished the prayer in um, great humble, you know, process, whatever. And, you know, like morning after that, or I was, I was okay. And I finished, it was like, I was in shock basically. And yeah. I got off and I was like, what just happened? And like, people are like, oh, it's cool. And then of course my friends were just dogging me horribly. <laughs> and they were like, you just started so high. And then you came back like Barry White, like, bro, what just <laughs> happened with that? So that was uh, not my great, my first, uh, great microphone experience there, but yeah, it was funny, funny, funny story. <laughs> yeah. Not many people remember when their voice actually changed. <laughs> yeah, and, it was uh, in front of hundreds yeah, of people. <laughs> that's great. What about, uh, is there, is there anything that sticks out in your mind as like a, a really special time you've seen God work in your life or someone else's? That, well, uh, I, I just think an encouragement, there's a lot of guys that, you know, where things grew really big. I, I was just, th- another story I was thinking when I was in college, one of the first times that I was preaching, I was, uh, I'd worked so hard to prepare this message, man. And I had seen God, he was really growing my, my gift as far as communicating. And, um, I would say maybe a, d- a degree of spiritual warfare. I get up there to preach and like, I'm looking at my, my watch and it's like a, you know, watch with the hands. It's not a digital watch. And bro, I don't know how somehow I got my watch turned upside down. And so I literally, so I'm trying to make sure that I'm on time because I had it upside down. It made me think that I was way over on time. And so I'm pre, I had prepared that. And some of my friends that were, uh, that weren't Christians were coming and, uh, like I went up there to pray and, uh, or to to preach. And I'm I'm like, bro, how am I out of time already? Like, and I have, I'm just getting started. So I have no context to know, like, you know, it's all a blur at that point anyway. And so I'm like, wow, I don't have any time. I'm like, I'm going to share the gospel. So I'm like, I just started sharing the gospel and uh, we finished up and everybody's like, wow, that was so early. I'm like, what are you talking about? I was <laughs> like way over time. And uh, they're like, bro, you had your, you know, you were had plenty of time. And I realized, dang, I had my watch upside down, but crazy. One of my friends that was there um, s- somehow, despite, you know, me completely being confused in my talk, he comes after and he was like, man, that was incredible. Thank you so much for, for what you That's shared. Great. And I said, like, bro, do you want to follow Christ? And he's like, man, I'm just not ready. Like, he's honestly like, man, I'm in a relationship with my girlfriend. I'm not ready to give that. Uh, I know I got to give yeah. certain elements of that relationship up. And, uh, but what was cool, like five years later, like 
after college. I'm still in Arkansas. He reaches back out to me. He's like, hey, bro, I just want to let you know. Or he's like, is this the Jeremy that I played golf with? And I was like, yeah, bro, what's up, man? I remembered him. And he's like, dude, I came to know Christ. And I just want to let you know, I know that you were praying for me. And I just want to say thank you for, uh, you know, and it was, it was just such a powerful picture of like the enemy coming along. I felt like in messing up my presentation when really maybe that's exactly what God wanted at yeah. that time and planting a seed. And then a few years later for this guy to, to come to faith. So in essence, that kind of sums up my ministry life of, you know, <laughs> a lot of times getting confused and God, uh, you know, taking, taking the reins and, and doing what only he can do. So, yeah, you know, he, yeah. He can do so much more whenever we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. When we've got it all. So there's hope. Out. There's hope, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what would you tell us soon uh, to be pastor or a new pastor that you wish somebody had told you early on? Yeah, I mean, just just reiterating, you only grow as high in ministry as you grow deep in Christ. And wow. like what I mentioned, Colossians two six through seven. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. And it's right there in the text because continue to live in Him, rooted in Him, and you're built up as a result of that. So it's you know the old picture of the trees. The tree only grows as high as the roots yeah. grow down deep. And so I just. You know, there's just, there's nothing else beyond that, man, as far as longevity or success is uh, staying close to Christ. And so many other voices are going to pull you away. And so many good, you know, godly things can try to take that place. Yeah. But there's no substitute for that. we got to be rooted in Christ and, and keep pursuing him, not just for ministry, but to pursue him just like you did when you first came to know Christ. Amen. So. That's that's just keeping that passion is is what it's about. So is that your favorite Bible verse, or do you have a favorite? It's Bible funny, verse or bro, passage? that that you would mention that. One of my uh, favorite church planning verses, Galatians six nine. Let us not become weary in doing good, because we reap a harvest at the proper time if we don't give up. After as Paul is writing that to a young church, let me tell you, bro, when you plant a church and you read those pastoral epistles like First and Second Timothy, I read those very differently after planting a church yes, than I did before, and I understand like the feeling about timidity or obstacles and realizing why, you know, trusting in the Lord in that. And uh, so, yeah, that was that one Galatians six, nine though, is, is I, I've probably quoted that literally 500,000 times while I've been here in the city. And it's just something that I've seen God move and work. And we just want to be faithful and keep trusting him to do what only he can, you know, Amen. so that that's been a key verse. And which one other that, uh, which I know uh, just fun fact, you've, you're uh, kind of a Marvel fan, right? You know, something like that. Uh, somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But um, so like uh, this one idea from Jeremiah of how God was going to uh, turn him into iron. So Jeremiah 1, 17 through 19 has been a, a key passage. And, and it kind of reminded me of like, uh, you know, so I'm I, moving to San Diego. I became passionate about comic stuff because yeah. like, it's kind of a big deal it in is, our yeah. city uh, to quote another fictional San Diegan in, in Ron Burgundy there. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, but I think this idea of God, how he transforms and changes is something you see like in a lot of these superhero yeah. shows, but, but specifically, you know, like, I, I'm kind of a fan of Wolverine. Yeah. And so like how, man, literally he became this, he went through this process of where he was literally, well, he wasn't iron. He was adamantium, you know, for those uh, keeping track at home. But um, yeah, this process of how God can move and work in somebody and change them. I, I see our culture 
desiring that and seeking out for some of those things. So I, I really love that process of what God does in forming and shaping us. So some of these worst moments are become like our origin stories basically yeah. for, for ministry. And so, yeah, I, I think you just brought a whole new yeah. audience into this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. so happy. You can add another label to your podcast now, <laughs> you know, a little, little broader cross section. Church there, planter but. discusses the gospel and Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of those, those stories, which ultimately in Christ is, is really the, uh, you know, the true superhero, right? It's a little cliche, but it, but it's so true. It is. And, uh, so yeah, I, I think that the process of the preparation that God did, that God did for Jeremiah, Joshua, Moses, you know, all these leaders that we, Paul, you know, Peter, you look at them over and over again. There's these origin stories of what he's done. And, uh, Lord, to, for us to say, Lord, do that in my life. You know, what are you going to do in me? So, Hey man, that's awesome. Jeremy, man, this has been great. It's always good to get to catch up with you and especially get to to hear more of your story, parts mm-hmm. of these I've never even heard. So thank you very much for taking yeah, the time. Yeah, no, it's fun, man. Thank you for doing this, bro. Yeah. I look forward to uh, hearing from your future guests and following along. So thank you again for the opportunity. All right. Have a good one, Jeremy. Thanks. <laughs>